Mabuhai and welcome to the Rise of the Pinoy podcast, a show dedicated to inspiring Filipino excellence. I'm Kosi Mike, and each week I will be sharing with you an inspiring guest or message to help you become a world-class Filipino. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now let the inspiration begin. Hey guys, and welcome to the Rise of the Pinoy podcast. Let me start by asking you some questions. If you're ready to listen to this episode, I think you, we, I have to ask you these three questions first. Do you feel that there's something missing in your life? Do you feel that you have yet to realize your full potential? Do you find yourself in the search of happiness, purpose, and meaning? If you answered yes to any of those three questions, then you are not alone. Our next guest has a story and a message that will greatly inspire you on your own journey. She is the amazingly talented, extraordinarily beautiful Marie Cavosora. I got to know Marie from my adventures or my time I spent in Gawad Kalinga's enchanted farm in Angap Bulacan. Marie has taken her own version of nation building to create a social enterprise called Kalabu. Now get this, her organization, her social enterprise sets out to create locally produced fresh milk products from grass-fed carambaos. So we're talking world-class Filipino yogurt, world-class Filipino butter, world-class Filipino cheese. And I say that with such confidence because yours truly has sampled all of these amazing products that Marie's uh, social enterprise creates. So inspiring. Not only is the work they're doing at the Gawad Kalinga Enchanted Farm, but Marie's personal journey from leaving the Philippines at an early age to returning to the Philippines after traveling all around the world in pursuit of the answers to those questions. Her story is going to greatly inspire you. Prepare yourselves for the one and only Marie Cavosora. Marie, thank you so much for joining us today in the Rise of the Pinoy podcast. Uh, thanks for asking. Honored. Yeah. I am honored to be here beside such an ambitious social entrepreneur. Well, I would like to actually correct that. Oh. So, because last night I was with Tito and some of the seed students, and he actually made a distinction between ambition and vision. Okay. Which is really important. Let's, let's so, hear that. Ambition is for the self. Okay. Vision is for everyone. Ah. So I would like to make that correction. Like, of course, in my younger days, it was all ambition, right? Because I have to... As, Maslow would say self-actualize, right? Mm. Climb the corporate ladder, make enough money, right? Mm. Get the accolades. That's ambition. Mm. But at some point, reach this phase in your life when you ask, is this all there is? Then you start thinking about other people, giving back, right? Because mm. now I've taken care of myself, now I've got a lot to give back. Mm. So that's, I think, the shift from ambition to vision where you can actually start forgetting yourself and start thinking of others. So now the 
the thing becomes grander. Ah. Right? You essentially magnify yourself into something bigger, and in the process of magnification, you lose yourself. Mm. So. so it's like the, the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dwyer from ambition to meaning, mm. from the perspective of uh, visionary as opposed to uh, that's a, I've never heard that before in terms of the clarifying that definition. So yes. Yeah, so I, thank you, Tito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will use yeah. that in the future. Yeah. So I, I'm going to ask you a, a very provocative initial question. Mm -hmm. What is the best change you've met in your life? For me, I think the biggest change is an internal one and understanding the definition of love. Mm. Before, when, when people think of love, right? Or love for fellow man, love for service, it's a, you know, you volunteer, you give to charity. Those are like common expressions of love. And what I have found out um, for myself, even before joining Tito's team with GK and Shannon Farm, is he talks about the power of presence. And for me, my personal experience was love is presence, absolutely, absolutely. In the, but in the context of that presence, it's actually the intention to alleviate the suffering of the other. That to me is love. Mm. So that, um, to go back to your question in terms of the change, that's how I would define that change for me, and which is the most powerful change mm. there is. is understanding what love is and how you can express that on a day-to-day -day basis without necessarily grand gestures or huge amounts of money or huge amounts of time. Yeah. Was that transition from your, the change in the definition of love, was it a gradual process or was there certain moments that really shifted your thinking? Yeah, well, I've always been on a spiritual path, like or rather a spiritual quest, right? Like, being raised, born and raised Catholic in the Philippines, but I also loved attending the prayer meetings. I love the magical aspect of it, you know, like the being convicted by the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. I love that whole part of it. And so I got into the evangelical part and even got into the born again Christian movement. Um, just because of the, I felt that the born-again Christians at one point, and this was already in the U.S., among Filipinos. Mm. Like, they lived it every day. And at some point, it got a bit too much for me. It's like, okay, enough of that. Let's now start doing, let's start um, without necessarily invoking that name because I think it can get very distract, distractive, mm. distracting, right? And so in my quest, I explored also Buddhism and a bit of Hinduism, and then I got into shamanism to really get back to experiencing God in mm. nature, mm. right? And then I thought about um, the Philippines. We have such a rich animist culture, like how we lived with the spirits, commune with the spirits even before the Spaniards came, mm. right? And so now when you see a different kind of spirituality and prayer, we always mix it with living with the tree spirits, you know, the, the spirits of the sea and the lake and everything. And then we have the saints to back that up or to, to combine this whole thing. So for me, I, I wanted to explore that. So um, a very distinct quest in God, the meaning of God, the meaning of life. Like, why am I here? Like, what's, what, what, what's the point of all this? And in my quest, the quest took me to Peru mm. in the jungles 
and I met some shamans and I, I did a couple of things. So I did ayahuasca, which is, you know, I'll be interested to see what your, <laughs> what your listeners would think. But um, ayahuasca is a brew. It's like a natural drink. And what it does, it, it takes you to different levels of consciousness. It's actually called the vine of the dead. So very specific shamans carry this. And right now when you read about it, it's like the trend. It's a very trendy thing to do. But it, mm. uh, shamans use it really to commune with the spirits. And I took it. I had no intention of going about it, actually. But I was just called for whatever. And I experienced this. And it was such a powerful experience for me. And the question was, what is love? Like, mm. I asked, what is the meaning of life? And then... You know, all of us, right? We hear it, namane. You are love, right? We are love. God is love. Whatever. Everything is love. It's like, what does it mean? What does it mean? It's like a Hallmark card, <laughs> right? And so I asked a question, what is love? And I experienced it. I felt it physically and emotionally and in one moment of just sublime clarity. And... It, that moment took me there, and that was the realization that love is the power of presence, which I've been getting confirmation about, not just from Tito, but, you know, in Buddhist, Buddhist teachings also is about mm. that. Thich talks about it. And, and in the context of suffering, mm. I mean, think about Buddhism, right? Talk about life is suffering, or it's actually even life is dukkha. Dukkha is like a Pali word, and the English word that they use for it is suffering. But it's actually not really suffering, but it's more like a discontent or something lacking. That's what life is. But then from a shamanic experience, what love is, is love is alleviating that. So parang in one moment, I experienced all the teachings of leading religions, right? Leading spiritual masters. And then in one instance, I understood all that. Mm. Yeah, but from that expanded state of consciousness, how do you bring it back here now on the ground? Let's talk about that, your journey. You have a very interesting story that I think our, our listeners would be fascinated. 17 years of age, you left the Philippines. Mm -hmm. Today, however, in the last few years, you made the decision to come back. And yeah. not just for short term, but for this vision that you talk about. Can you, with the context of love, because I think mm -hmm. that's an excellence. Can you tell us about your love relationship with the Philippines, mm. with the Filipino? Mm. Okay. So, so, backtrack. So, when I was 17, I was like most Filipinos, I think even now, right? Think, oh, the U.S. is the place to live the American dream. So, my mom actually left to bring us there to give us a better life. And I was able to get a full scholarship at one of the private schools in New England. So a really good school. And from there, you know, I never looked back. I want to make it big in advertising. I worked in New York City, worked in the biggest brands. And I just went up. Like, I just really followed what I wanted to do for myself, right? Living my dream, the American dream, climbing the ladder, et cetera, et cetera. And I never thought that I'd be coming back to the Philippines. I thought, like most Filipinos who go abroad, I'd come back to grow old. They retire because help is cheap, right? And you have your barcada, you can grow old together. That's what I had envisioned. Um, but at around 30, like early 30s, I started asking. Because at that time, I was 
what I consider the peak of my life in terms of I love my life. I love my apartment. I love my job. You know, I had just gotten divorced, but I had this, such freedom and sense of empowerment. Mm -hmm. And I love my friends. I had a really active social life, really good. And yet, there was something missing. Something was like, something is not right. I was giving my power away for whatever reason. And I looked at my surroundings and I said, wow, all my sources of happiness are external. My apartment, my job, my friends, my social life, all those things. Like, what, if, what if they were taken away from me? What do I have? And at that point, I wasn't praying. You know, I, I didn't have this, a rich spiritual life. I, and, I looked, and, I, and I looked at all the things that were important to me at that time. It was my apartment. I, I lived in San Francisco. It's, in the city, right? Like, heart of mission. And I love my apartment. And that's the most precious thing to me. If I could give that up, I could give up anything. So I gave it up. I gave up that life. So instead, I moved to an urban ashram. And I lived in this 2,000 square foot space and slept on a sleeping bag on a yoga mat. So I did for a few months. And then I ended up going to India. I took a leave of absence and said, something is not right. I don't know what's... You know, I was, my, my job was fine. I mean, externally, everything was great. And people think, Marie, you're crazy. You're crazy to be doing... But it's, you know, it's at that point when things are looking very well materially, physically. It's like, I'm supposed to be happy and joyful, but what's not working? And so I, I, I left my job, and I said, I'm going to go do this. And, but I had such a good relationship with my employer. I said, okay, we'll give you a leave of absence. And then that was the beginning of my, I would say, my healing and really um, reconnecting with the world, a, a spiritual practice. So, you know, I went to Nepal. I attended, like, some Tibetan Buddhist retreat, got into some meditation practices, got into yoga in India, shaved my head, I mean, did the whole thing, went to Bhutan, went to all those places, right? And discovered Buddhism in that, in that process. But because I was raised Catholic, and I had a really good relationship with Jesus, and I call him JC, you know, through all this, you know, I was asking, hey, Jesus is still okay, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm now meditating on Buddha and all the, all the Dakinis and all sorts of, you know, deities, and, you know, at least what I heard, thought I heard him say, it's like, don't worry about it. It's we're all the same. It's mm. all the same. Mm. So I pursued that line of thinking, that, and, which got me now to shamanism and going back to the Philippines and exploring a different kind of spirituality that made it very, very personal. Mm. But in that journey, I also discovered the power of the mind, mm. how powerful the mind is in controlling everything, including our bodies. That's what I discovered when I did yoga. I took yoga to really enhance my meditation practice, but also to explore and experience how powerful my mind is. It's an amazing thing. Mm. Right? So that's why meditation is so important, just to really control it, so just to get some clarity in a lot of ways. So anyway, it's a, it's a long story, and I finally came back here a few years ago because I, I discovered like a spiritual practitioner in the Philippines that was more... Hiyang ako, 
Kasi I'm Filipina, diba? It's, like, it's something that makes perfect sense. It's not yoga. It's not yoga from India. It's not whatever, different kinds of meditative practice. But something that really brought me back to nature, which is very, something very Filipino, right? You have a really good relationship with nature. Um, and I was working and um, I was in a yoga retreat place. Mm. And I was talking about self-love because I also had, um, I had a meditation wellness, rich, uh, wellness place in San Francisco. Mm. So it really bring it back to self-love. It, it started with that. Like everything begins with the self because if you're not good with that, then you really are no good to anyone. Right? And it starts with loving yourself. Mm. So that, you know, it was also post ayahuasca and all these things, right? Discovering love, but everything starts with you. Mm. So when I came here, it's also, how can I love myself if I don't really know who I am? So moving back to the Philippines revealed to me who I was. And when I was living in the Philippines, when I was 17, you know, I went to Poveda, private school. I grew up in Manila, so very sheltered. But when I came back here as an adult, I was able to experience the Philippines in ways I've never had before. Like the people from the province, I lived in Palawan, people from, you know, from all walks of life but mostly people on the ground, right? And, mm. you know, some would call them, some were squatters, some were just humble folk living off the land, right? And parang, this is the Philippines that I never knew and didn't have access to growing up. But because I traveled to many, many parts of the world, I was able to see Philippines with fresh eyes, mm. to be able to see it independent of all my cultural, historical baggage, right? And it's mm. like, wow, Filipinos are amazing. Right, very loving, very generous, very open. Just love to sing and dance. Masayhen talaga tayo, right? And mm. and that's something I I did I took for granted before, and I didn't have a chance to really experience fully until I came back as an adult here four years ago. Mm. Moved back here 2012 December. Can we talk about the how many years before you made the decision to begin this journey of discovery? Mm. How many years or months were you pondering with that unhappiness? So, because I really want, there's a lot of listeners right now that are, how do you say, perhaps climbing a corporate ladder mm. or in a job they quote unquote hate, in a situation that they don't want to be in, yeah. maybe have dreams of breaking free, yeah. and they see you as a kind of hero mm. in a crazy way. Mm. <laughs> how, let's talk, how, how long were you debating ref about? Um, especially step, that step you talked about giving up what was your prized possession mm. at the time. How long was that internal debate going on? Um, actually, once I was able to identify the core issue, right? Because for a lot of us, right, we don't really know what the problem is. Like, oh, it must be this, must be that. But when you get to the crux of the matter, it was easy. It's like, oh. I did it in a week. Like, I laid up, like, okay, I'm going to give it up. And once I set my mind to it, it was just, you know, I'm going to put an ad on the paper. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to look for other places to live, you know, to scale it down. And it was that. Because this whole journey is about discovering that small voice within. It's being silent enough to really... All of us have that guidance. All of us have that guidance. For a lot of us, we ignore it. 
because it's asking for a lot. It's asking for surrender. It's asking for trust. It's asking for faith. It's asking for for us to give up a lot of things that we had grasped on to think um, um, onto things that we think would make us happy, mm. right? But we have that still small voice. All of us have access to that. So when I quieted everything, I heard that. Mm. So that was the. I remember it so vividly. It was like one sunny day. It's like a fall day in San Francisco. I was walking in Mission. Like, I love my life. And then, like, Sunny's like, holy crap. This realization, like, this isn't, this is not what happiness is. It's mm. like if things, and then within a week, I, like, I, from then on, I made the decision. And slowly, slowly. But it's a gradual thing, huh? I mean, mm. these are, like, I'm going to share with a couple of very important realizations that I, if there's, at the end of this interview, there's two things that I would like for your listeners to hear is, one is don't get too comfortable. You know, I was married to an investment banker who later became a management consultant. So we lived an expat life, a very luxurious, indulgent expat life. And I said to myself, and at that time we were having, you know, you'd hear it in my stories. Like we had brunch in Shangri-La Hotel every weekend. You know, like the hotel brunches, and the weekends we'd go diving. And I'm thinking, you know, not very many people live like this. And I'm already getting bored of it. And I'm getting too comfortable with my air-conditioned places, getting driven around. I don't want to get used to this because I'm building a prison for myself. I'm going to miss out on all the other beautiful experiences that would take me to really hot places, really crowded places, you no know, places where I could probably go hungry. But I'll be missing out on that because I'll be so comfortable that I wouldn't want to get out of that, mm. my gilded cage. Mm. So don't get caught in that, really. Sayang, there's so many more things that life mm. can offer you except from this comfort, right? And then you, you have fear related to that. And the other thing is, I said, you know, I'm beginning to take these things for granted. I'm not able to appreciate it fully. Mm. But now, with the choices that I've made, even a hot shower makes me so happy. Mm. Like, really, really, really happy. And you can never get that if you have this comfortable life and you expect these things, right? Parang sayang. And I'm unable to live richly and appreciate things deeply because these things have come easy. Mm. But when you actually have these things once in a while, it's such, a, it's such an amazing experience. You know, a hot shower. Parang sayang. The same thing, this one person can be like, it's just a hot shower. But look, you're missing out on opportunity to be really happy and really grateful by this hot shower. Mm. So who is living more deeply? Who is feeling more alive? Who is feeling abundant? Right? Because... In that situation, mm. right? So I mean, that whole thing, we talk about scarcity, some mindset, and abundance is this, but to really, to be able to appreciate those, those two things. Mm. But I think I digress too much. No, this is beautiful, <laughs> because I'm fascinated. You brought up some topics that I really want to explore, that I really believe will add value to me, for selfish reasons, and number two, for our listeners, mm. is how, I'm curious, how you got your mind to this place. <laughs> where the majority yeah. of people and I'm reflecting on myself yeah. as well spend so much time focused on materialism mm. um, reputation, status yeah. what other people think and to, to, I'm going to use that example mm. to get such joy from a, a sim, something as simple as a hot shower mm. 
is there, I know it's been a journey, but mm. is there a, a daily practice? Mm. You've mentioned meditation. Yeah. I'm just, is there practices that you do on a daily basis that help mm. you maintain and not just maintain, but grow this mm. mindset? Yeah. Do you want to talk to that? Yeah. I mean, it's really the practice of gratitude. Hands down. Gratitude. It's like the happy pill. Every morning. I mean, it, it doesn't get me there always because it's like when I wake up, it's like, shit, I've got to do all these things, you know, like that. It's like I'm already stressing out. I'm like, okay, time out. Mm -hmm. To really get into this space of like, okay, thank you. It's like, thank you. And then we just self-talk, like, thank you for this. Thank you for... Would you journal or is it verbal? It's verbal. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try that. I would just really internalize this. Like, thank you for last night. Thank you for my conversation with this. Thank you for this beautiful walk home. Thank you for this, the smallest things. But mm. if you actually recreate those moments, bring back those moments. You can. You can actually, with the memory, activate all the physical impulses in your body, right? When you think about someone that stresses you out, you can feel your body, your heart beat faster. Mm. You can really feel it, right? And just with a memory. And by the same token, you think of a happy memory, you feel light, you feel happy. So you start with that every morning and then throughout the day, just throughout the day, like little things like, you know, this dog coming up to you and licking you. <laughs> I mean, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. This cat like rubbing, I mean, might not lie. If you like cats, it's really nice. Oh, this cat notices me. Just, you know, the cool breeze, like there's so many moments of gratitude if you just choose to open our eyes. It's, mm. That's when you realize how, how abundant you are. And so many reasons for, for mm. things. Then you don't focus on the, what you don't have. And it's not as if you're going to need it at that moment anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's really believing that you will get exactly what you need at that time. Mm. For us, and for me, that's, that, it simplified my life. But it also makes a lot of things so much easier. Like, I don't have to make a decision on that because it's not here and I don't have to deal with it now. So it's almost like it helps me prioritize things also, mm. right? Because I oh, wish I had a car. You're wishing it, but you don't need it now, now at this moment, right? Yeah. And, but when you actually realize that you get exactly what you need, I mean, and then more, yeah. you know, like the simplest things, mm. if you just just expand your consciousness a little bit more and be open to those moments, those magical moments, those moments of miracles or whatever. Like yeah. just, I call them my reasons for gratitude. So, so throughout the day. Throughout the day. And is there a particular peak in the morning? Would you, is, is, there, is there a morning ritual you follow where you very intentional mm -hmm. not to forget? In the morning, right before I get up. Like I, okay. before, you know, I would just get up and just, rush to my day like okay. you know I would sleep to the max and then get up brush my teeth get to, but now it's like I'm laying in bed I wake up slowly it's like mm. I just want to leisurely and to get to that space where I'm like okay mm. but already start talking like, thank you for this day like thank you for my sleep yeah. you know just to start thinking right when you wake up and 10-15 yeah, minutes wonderful what about meditation You've that's part of that oh, so, so that's, that's meditation okay. yeah so so what does meditation mean what is it? I mean, prayer, meditation is like prayer. Mm. And your prayer is your day. Your meditation is your day. So for me, and when I talk about meditation, it's mindfulness. Mm. Right? It's just being mindful. I mean, to the core. So mindful that you could actually feel the wind on the hairs of your leg, for example. That kind of mindfulness, mm. right? So, so inevitably, your whole life is a meditation, 
because you're so mindful of everything that you do. So before I would sit for hours, right? At night you sit, just like, and I would feel this dread. Like, oh my God, I'm going to sit for one hour. I want to not fo- focus. I'm not going to focus and all that stuff. But now, um, so I've done that. I've done like different kinds of meditation. You focus on your breath or you visualize light or you visualize, you know, that Tibetan meditation is really intricate. You meditate, you visualize this Buddha, two feet in front of you, sitting on an eight-leaf lotus on top of the Buddha. There's a Buddha head. I mean, really, a race of gold and with silver lining. I mean, that kind of... Mm. But it's really, at the end of the day, to just help you focus and build your concentration and to quiet the mind. I mean, mm. at the core of it all is to quiet your mind and to be in the present moment. That's mm. what the whole practice of meditation is, is to be in the present moment. So... Mm. When I got into Thich Nhat Hanh's teaching, it's like walking meditation, so eating mindfully, right? Really appreciating the flavors of the food, the texture that's whatever it's in your mouth. So in that process, that whole meditation as mindfulness, and it's a practice that you do every day. And in that process, you get to live in the present moment, not worry about your worries, because worries are either in the past or the future. It takes you away from that. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a way richer experience at that moment, mm. right? I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, of course, I still struggle with all that, but that's the, the practice um, that I intend and I catch myself doing throughout the day. If not the whole day, then throughout the day, right? Because mm. you can't, if you've got like a bad experience or something, you just can't help but react. But now it's like you just kind of observe yourself and see like where this could be. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, this is, I love this because these mm. are very practical daily advice mm. you're giving people and I can see that, yeah, by skipping this it puts you yeah in that state of suffering if you, you're not mindful you're not grateful mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for suffering yeah let's let's shift gears for a second yeah. and talk about the definition of success mm. and in particular I want to focus on Filipino world-class Filipino so when I say the phrase world-class Filipino, what comes to your mind? Mm. How would you define world-class Filipino? Okay. So world-class Filipino would be someone who demands excellence and can deliver excellence from the self. Everything starts with the self. Right? So a person who has enough recognition, who, who recognizes her self-worth, mm. right? But what's that self-worth? If, if she needs or he needs, quote-unquote, validation from the external world, then it's something that she can get by bringing out the best in her to offer to the other, right? So demanding excellence from the self, hmm. that's, that's then the, the basis of, yeah. yeah. Um, and then not, not be defined, but what other... Um, by others' expectations of that person, per se, right? Of course, we want to please our parents, you want to please our bosses, you want to please all that stuff. But at the end, at the core of it all, you please yourself because you are capable of excellence. So regardless of what they say, if you know that you've given your best, then you can sit with that knowledge and no one can take that away from you. Mm. So the whole self-worth comes from that. It's something that you gain for yourself because you know you've given your best. Mm. Is there someone that comes to mind when you hear that phrase, world-class Filipino? I mean, of course, it's Tito Tony. Mm. Um, there's a, quite a few, but 
Well, I can let me, let me build on the relationship mm. with Tito Tony, mm. Tony Melotto, yes. founder of Gawakalinga. What's the best advice he ever gave you? Hmm, good question. He's given me so many. <laughs> <laughs> no specific advice comes to mind to me, but what I see, he leads by example. Hmm. So how he lives his life, the, the patience, the, the, the constancy, right? And his hard work and the relentlessness of explaining and sharing his vision on a day-to-day basis. So I am inspired by what he does and what he says. So Tito Tony... He doesn't really give me advice in that way unless I ask for very specific situations, right? Like mm. you don't... Let me, let me go back to that. Let me go back to that. Because he gives a lot of nuggets of wisdom. Don't get me wrong. Like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like the power of presence. Like ah, This is always something that I, I remember. Like be kind. Mm. To be kind. That is one thing that like for me, one of my biggest, um, my biggest negative is this drive for excellence. It's so, it's so powerful in me that my expectation for the other, they can get so overwhelmed by it. So I can be unforgiving about that. So in my relentless drive for excellence, I am sometimes not kind or not mm. as kind as I could be. Mm. Right, and it's really balancing compassion and understanding with getting them to that place. Nakaya mo to eh. You can do this, right? So how do you balance that? So I, that's like one of the things. That's definitely something that I have to mm. watch. So in the drive for excellence, the relentless pursuit of excellence, that mm. I must remember to be kind at all times, mm. not just occasionally, but at all times. And that's a challenge because mm. having lived and been nurtured, like my career nurtured in New York City, you know, in San Francisco and Hong Kong and Singapore, where it's all mm. go-getting, I sometimes you forget to be kind because mm. that's, not, that's not the rules of the game, right? You have yeah. to be demanding, you have to be this, you have to be all those things that make you inhuman. But the, the kind part is really, 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 really important. This is actually a nice bridge into, because I want to understand this drive for excellence. Mm, yeah. This passion you have to set up this mm. social enterprise to launch a Filipino world-class brand. Mm. Let me do something, uh, I want to maybe trigger you here. Mm. How do you respond to people who say, what you're doing is not possible? Um, there's, there is no opportunities here. Um, mm. th- those negative voices, I'm sure you've, You've heard it, mm. whether it be when you're back in San Francisco, or even mainly focused today, mm. the, the negative voices you hear from mm. Filipinos who say, what you're doing is gente puede, mm. not possible. How do, you, how do you respond to those people? When <laughs> All I say is, just watch. Just watch. Just watch. Yeah. Stand back and watch. What mm. can, you know, it's... So that's why he talks about proof of concept. Yeah. So I don't even get into that space. Yeah. I don't even want to. Fortunately, though, believe it or not, people have been so supportive. Mm. Not once, maybe twice. It's not possible. You're doing the impossible. I'm like, it's like, why not? Mm. 
But no one, really, I would honestly say, maybe if ever there were, a handful. Yeah. So I never had to actually think about that. Or we just say, okay, let's try. Yeah. But everyone has it's been like, okay, let's try, let's try. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been such a beautiful, beautiful journey because they get caught up in this thing and it's like, look, look what we've got. Look, see, taste it. It's yeah. here. Oh, it's not that good. I'm like, okay, well, it's your opinion. There's a hundred people who say it's delicious. You say not delicious. No problem. Yeah. You know, so believe it or not, it's, it's very few, which is really great. Everybody wants you to succeed. Yeah. All right, more power to you. God bless you with that. We support you, but... For the people say it's not possible, it's like, okay, well, just watch. Just watch me. And because mm. I know it's not me. It's for us. This is yeah. ours. This is not mine. It's ours. So if mm. it's not possible, how can you help to make mm. it possible? What advice, I'll ask a follow-up question related to this. For someone who is listening right now who has a dream mm. of setting up their own business, mm. of, a, of being an entre- becoming an entrepreneur, even becoming a social entrepreneur, but they're surrounded mm. by people who says stay, stay in the comfort zone. Mm. What advice would you give to that um, listener right now about the, who has dreams to set up a, a, a new world-class Filipino mm. brand? Um, a is to actually first question your commitment because starting something like this is not something you do on a whim, right? Oh, because everybody does it because it's sexy or whatever, right? But understand what you're getting yourself into, mm. right? It's not, it's, not, it's not difficult or it's not not easy, but it's going to demand a lot from you. Mm. So once you've decided to become, so am I committed? So ask, ask yourself three questions. What am I passionate about? Yeah. But more than that is, what am I willing to struggle for? Mm. And can I commit to it? And is my faith big enough to take me there? Mm. And once you answer those questions, you won't care what anybody else says to you. Mm. You won't care. Because I've answered this. Yes, my faith is big enough. Yes, I am committed to this. I am willing to struggle for this. Mm. Yun, after that... Who cares? You will stop caring mm. about what other people say to you. Wow, this is powerful. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a few more questions. Yeah. Um, first question uh, is, it's actually going back into the past, mm. but in a positive way. Yeah, it's okay. And it's you. <laughs> so it's going mm. back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an opportunity to meet with two young ladies. Mm-hmm. You, when you were 20 years of age, Okay. And then you, when you were 30 years of age. Okay. And you could only spend one minute with these two young ladies. Yeah. What would you say to them? At 20, gosh, you know, keep on doing what you're doing. Mm. Keep on doing what you're doing. At 30, it's like, you know what? It's such a clear, at 30 was such a pivotal year in my life because that's when I made the decision to um, leave my marriage because it was a gilded cage. It was like a be- it was a it was a beautiful life materially, you know. He was we we're living an expat life. I was following him, living in all these beautiful hotels and all that stuff, right? But I wasn't following my dream. We were following his dream, and I was just 
sumusunod. And I had to ask myself, can I give all the trappings of material wealth to pursue this dream that could take me to abject poverty for a while, but I'm going to be happy, I'm going to live my life, I'm going to live my dream. Mm -hmm. So at 30, I'm going to tell her, go, your momentous act of courage is going to take you to places you've never dreamed before. Mm. Wow. If you could, I'm stealing this question from Tim Ferriss, but I really love this question that he asks his guests. If you could have a billboard with mm. anything written on the billboard and you could put it anywhere in the world, mm. where would you put that billboard and what would that billboard say? Where would I put that billboard? Hmm. It would be written in the sky. Okay. So the, the airplane, <laughs> in the clouds. It's yeah. like a billboard in the sky, right? So a lot of people can see it, like maximum exposure. Clever. I like that. Right? And it would say, billboards usually, industry standards is actually eight words. Huh? Okay. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. No, it's really funny you asked me this question because when I was a teenager still in the Philippines, that was my dream, huh? to actually have my words on a billboard. Ah. Yeah. Cause that's why I loved advertising. Like, because you can now influence a lot of, you know, values and can contribute to culture and all. So this is like a funny, this is a funny question <laughs> at this point. So, oh my God, that was like my moment. So like, when you think about this. Ah. These words, I actually, this came to me. Just, just a quick history. Mm. When I was in India, in Varanasi. So this is the place where Indians go to die because they believe that when they die there by the Ganges, it's, they go to, I guess, Nirvana. Nirvana ba? I guess Nirvana, to heaven. So mm. that's where. So they burn a lot of their, a lot of their dead there. So I was watching this man. It's like a proper ritual, you know, from afar I watched him burn a lot. It took a long time. I, I was surprised mm. how many hours, many, many hours it took. And I was just watching. I was so mesmerized that I was put in a trance. And for a moment, I saw myself there. I was the dead person. Right? Mm -hmm. Just like a very brief, but a very clear moment. And at that, and the dead me gave me a message. And it was, worry less, love more. So that's what I would put in the sky. Wow. My billboard in the sky. Whew. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah, because, you know, at, at that point, in, I was dead already. I felt the futility of it all. Mm. I'm dead. Like, why did I worry about all these things? I should have taken the opportunity to love more. Mm. Yeah. Coming to the end, I have a couple more last final mm. questions. And this question is focused on, and this is a nice centered link to the beginning. We talked about vision. Mm -hmm. um, moving from ambition to vision. Mm. What is your vision for the mm. Philippines? What is your vision for the Filipino mm. people? That each Filipino would feel really proud of who they are. Each one. What would that look that. like? Okay. When I was in Thailand for the first time, everybody talked about, oh, the Thai hospitality, their warmth and all that stuff, right? I went there having 
visited a lot of the countries already, not just in Asia, but in South America and Europe and all that stuff. But I'm thinking, they're not warm. They're friendly. They're not warm. Filipinos are warm. They're friendly. And I found out, I didn't know this, that they're the only Asian country that was never colonized. Mm. So they have a sense of pride, a sense of dignity, mm. you know, that they have their boundaries, that they're... I was like, wow, it's, it's such a very subtle, but a very strong thing. If you mm. go, see if you can notice that. Because I'm like, so they have that sense of dignity. So that's, I would love for Filipinos to not beg, you know, to stop, to, to not lower themselves mm. and not be so easy to give, for them to realize that they're precious, mm. that they just, we just can't give ourselves, give our power away to others and to hold the best for us, mm. right, to have that. So yeah, for Filipinos to feel like, yeah, I am a proud Filipino, and these are my boundaries. Mm. Welcome to my country. I'm, gonna, I'm going to be warm and friendly to you, but on my terms, mm. right? Not like, I'm going to give it away because mm. I don't value this and all that stuff. Mm. But for Filipinos to realize that we are sitting on a gold mine here in our country, we have a lot of human, we have a lot of natural resources, and we have amazing human resources as well. So we are a wealthy nation. So mm. for us to really be good stewards of that. Mm. But it starts with us valuing ourselves. So I would love every Filipino to value the self. Mm. Wow, this is, this is so beautiful. Mm. I have one final question. Mm. Um, but before I do, I want to recognize and acknowledge you, Marie, for not only making time for our listeners in this interview, but, and I'm going to steal what you said earlier, leading by example. Mm. There's a lot of people who talk about changing the country. There's a lot of people who talk about making shifts in people's thinking. But you are really leading by example. Mm. And I believe, because I tasted your product, <laughs> that you are creating and have created and are growing a world-class Filipino mm. brand. Thank you. That's... Um, the entire Filipino people we're proud of and something that foreigners like me would be gifting to, the, to their relatives around the world. Mm. So That would um, be awesome. I'm very excited to yeah. see. The, the butters travel very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you ready for the final question? Yes. Okay. This, now we're going, so if we went into the past, now we're going into the future. Okay. And you're surrounded, you're a bit, let's say you're a bit older than you are today um, mm. and it's towards the end of your life. Okay. And you're surrounded by your loved ones. But for some reason, mm. all your work that has been done in the past has been deleted. Mm -hmm. um, your writings, your, your, any speeches you've made, business you've built, not, nothing, everything has been taken. Mm. And you can only give three truths. Three truths. Three truths. Okay. That you believe from how you've lived your life and what you've learned in your life. Mm. What would those three truths be? Mm. One would be take care of your relationships. Mm. Um, freedom is paramount. Freedom to 
something with it's not you protect your freedom but you really you honor that freedom mm. you know so freedom personal freedom uh yeah personal mm. freedom and you are the master of your life so make sure you lead with love as a master of your life you should lead with love thank you so much yeah. so marie this is um, oh far mind blowing this is sensational for people who want to connect with you mm-hmm. and we're going to we'll write all the links to yes. your social media your website on our, our podcast notes so microben.ph/podcast all the show notes will be here how can people connect with you well the best if immediate it's by text but <laughs> um, we have a facebook page so it's kalabu and you could send me an email it's what's your email address so you can send it to kalabu dream so c a l a b o o d r e a m at gmail.com um we have a website called kalabu.com so you can send a message there but the most immediate would be just to send email and through facebook it's i believe it's kalabu or kalabu dairy and well we're available at marketa our products are at marketa m a r k e t a . p h um but yeah i would really love to hear from you email and and facebook would be the best way to get the hold of us awesome yeah Thank you so much Marie. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me a chance to share the story and hopefully get other people inspired and you know, give them enough courage for them to at least try it out. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, you don't you can go back to how you've been, but at least try. Yes. The greatest days are ahead. Yes. Mabuhay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year. Salamat. Yeah, thank you. Hey guys, it's Mike again. I have a special gift for you for listeners of this podcast. Very simple. Go to mikegrogan.ph/ebook and you will find waiting for you a special gift. My book 7 Reasons Why the Filipino Will Change the World. To you for 100% free. I will be honored if you read this because this book is an absolute must read for every single filipino so to get the book to get your free copy all you got to do is go to mikegrogan.ph/ebook so mike m i k e grogan g r o g a n .ph/ebook maraming salamat po thank you again for listening to this podcast until next time god bless thank you mga kababayan ko